So we're continuing today to study Paul's letter to the Christians in Ephesus. And briefly so far, we have learned that in Christ, we are heirs, heirs to what God has promised us, the eternal life that he prepared before the creation of the world. That in Christ, we are alive. We were dead in our sins, but in Christ, we have been made alive. We've also learned that in Christ we are one. We are not Jews and Gentiles, male and female, slaves and free. We are all one in Christ. We also learned that in Christ we are empowered by the Spirit of Christ who lives within us. We have power, uh, power especially to be able to share uh, the gospel with other people. And we have learned last week that in Christ we are unified. Today we will begin to learn that in Christ we are changed. I say begin because as Paul moves forward now in this letter to the Christians in Ephesus, he's going to address several areas in which we are changed because we are in Christ. Our attitude toward and treatment of one another is changed. Our daily conduct is changed. And our family and work relationships, it's all changed because now we are in Christ. And so we approach all of these in a very different way. And each of these areas deserves some attention, so I'm going to take two or three uh, messages to, to cover these. We have learned up until this point what God has done for us in Christ, to put us in Christ. And now we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty of how we are to live as those who are in Christ. So today we will study chapter 4, beginning at verse 17, and go through verse 32. And we're going to learn today how our attitude toward and our treatment of one another is to be changed. I'd like to read this passage for you. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with continual lust for more. You, however... Did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil uh, a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but he must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those who are in need. Do not let let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may be that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you were sealed for the day of repentance get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you heavenly father we come to you this morning and we desire to be uh, challenged by your word we know father that we still struggle in our humanity and yet you have called us to walk above that and we pray that as we study this this morning that you will show us just how to do that and that you will give us the strength and the courage to follow and we ask it in your son's name amen Uh, before we get into the text, I want, to, I want to frame what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. With a reality we all are a part of since we have accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice for our sins. And to do this, I want to do, share a little analogy with you. Imagine, if you can, you have just inherited an estate. There is a mansion on this estate. It now belongs to you. When you move in, you will be royalty. However, you cannot actually move into the mansion until sometime in the future. You don't know when that time will be. All you know is the estate, the mansion, is yours. In the meantime, you must continue to live as you are and where you are. You know you will be royalty. You are royalty. You know you have a mansion. It is yours. Now here's the question. Until that day comes, how will you live? How will you conduct yourself? How are you going to act? How will you treat the house you now have? Are you going to take care of it? Are you going to clean it? Are you going to repair it? Are you going to mow the yard? How about yourself? How are you going to take care of yourself now while you're waiting to enter that mansion that is yours? How are you going to represent yourself to those around you? Are you going to represent yourself as that royalty that you are? I've spoken before of the difference between our position and our condition. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, God places us in Christ. That's our position. In the eyes of God, that is our position now. We are in Christ. However, we will not possess that position until we meet God in heaven, wrapped in the righteous robes of Christ. In the meantime, we continue to live in our flesh and we continue to deal with our human condition. God has placed us in Christ. That's our position. That's ours. But in the meantime, until we get there, we live in this condition. We are heirs to the estate of eternal life 
It is ours because we are in Christ. But we have not attained it yet. In the meantime, we continue in our condition. We are sinners. We are weak in our humanity. The question is, how then shall we live? Shall we just give in to our condition? Or shall we strive by the power of God's Spirit to live our position? That's the question. Here's the answer. Galatians 5, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's our answer. And this happens to be the theme of the New Testament letters. This is why they were written to the early church, to those early Christians. And that is why they have been kept for us today. To help us to walk in the Spirit. Because of our earthly condition we will not accomplish this perfectly. But by the power of the Spirit of Christ in us, we can accomplish it nearly. We can imitate God and live a life of love. That first verse of the next chapter that we're going to get to next week says, But be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Imitate God. So now, Paul begins to tell these Christians how to accomplish this. He says, put off the old self. Put on the new self. Now I have to confess it is really, really hard for me to buy new clothes. It's, and part of it's the price. I mean, paying thirty-five to fifty dollars for a shirt is just—I mean—that just goes against everything in me. Especially when I can go to a thrift store and get the same shirt, same quality, same name, name brand for three bucks. <laughs> but that's just—that's not all of it. I tend to wear clothes until they wear out. I just always have. And then, left to myself, I will keep wearing them, even though they're worn out. Fortunately, my wife sees that I get new clothes. And she has really good taste. And I like what she buys me. But guess what? Unless the old clothes get thrown out, I will look in my closet, I'll see the new clothes, I'll see the old clothes, and I'll put on the old ones. She is, however, teaching me to get rid of old clothes. That's kind of how we, how we are, isn't it? Left to ourselves, we easily go back to put on the old self. 
We're comfortable there. It's what we're used to. We don't have to think. We don't have to consider. We don't have to plan. We don't have to make any effort. We just slip on the old. Paul has been telling us that we have been changed. We are now in a new position. We are we were dead in our sin, but now we are alive in Christ. We have a new position, so start living like it. Throw the old clothes out. Start wearing the new clothes. Put off the old self. Paul says because it's being corrupted, the old self is corrupted by deceitful desires. In other words, the old life lies to us. The old life lies about what is good. The old self lies about what is healthy. It lies about what is truly of value. It lies about who and what is important. We need to have an attitude adjustment. We need to have an attitude change, Paul says there in that passage. How? By putting on the new self. It's been given to you. You've been given a whole new self in Christ. Put it on. Don't hang it in the closet and say, I'll get to it someday. Put it on. A new self that has been created to be like God. Think about that. Be imitators of God, he says. Well, how do we know what God is like? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. In Jesus, we see God, and we're not talking about what God looks like. We're talking about his character. In Jesus, we see the nature and the character and the attributes of God. And first and foremost, we see in Jesus the love of God. Therefore, we are to act like God toward one another. And then he begins to enumerate the ways in which we can do that. He says, first of all, speak truthfully to one another. Verse 25, speak truthfully to one another. I like Mark Twain's quote about lying. He says, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Proverbs 12, 19 says, truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. The truth is, lying is the epitome of self-centeredness. It is the opposite of love. God doesn't lie to us. He tells us the truth about ourselves. Not to condemn us, but to open our hearts to his forgiveness. To give us life. We should speak truth to one another. Not to put one another in their place. Not to belittle them. Not to dismiss them. 
but to show them the way to wholeness, to show them the way to renewal, to show them the way to repentance, to show them the love of God. Speak truth with love. And then there's anger. It's not a sin to be justly angry. Do you get that? What did Paul say there? In your anger, do not sin. What is assumed? It's assumed there that you do get angry. In your anger, do not sin. It's not a sin to be angry. The problem comes when we let anger lead us to sin. How do you not let the sun go down while you are still angry? Why does that make a difference? Paul's telling us to let go of it. At the end of the day, let go of it. If you're going to be angry, if you have a right to be angry, okay. But at the end of the day, let go of it. You see, the thing is, anger is corrosive. It eats away at you. And the more it eats at you, the smaller you get. The more anger controls you, the less God controls you. The more room anger takes in your heart, the less room there is for love. And anger opens the door to Satan's lies. Just think about it. When you get angry about something, don't you just in your head start building a case? As if you were going to go to trial. You just start building a case against this person that you're angry with. How much of that case is real and how much of it is a lie? Satan uses that open door. Instead, turn to God with your anger. Ask for peace. Ask for calm. Ask for wisdom. Ask for guidance. Ask God to take your anger and replace it with love. Ask God to help you let go of anger so you can cling to Him. If you cling to anger, you can't cling to God. That doesn't mean God isn't there. He's there, but there's a difference between Him being there and you (coughs) clinging to Him. Imagine a child clinging to its parent's hand. It's one thing for the parent to be walking beside the child, but there's something so much more beautiful, so much more powerful when that little hand reaches up and takes yours. Don't cling to anger. Cling to God. 
If you're angry, you're not clinging to God. Ask God to help you let go of anger so you can cling to Him. Then He says, if you steal, stop stealing. Work with your hands so that you can give something to someone who has need. Now, there is the obvious implication here of someone who actually goes and steals something. But I think there's more than one way to steal. Anyone who avoids responsibility by taking advantage of others who are generous and using it for themselves because they don't want to take responsibility for themselves, that's stealing. In doing so, what you've done is you've used what could have been used for someone else who really had a need. You've taken it. You could have gotten it yourself. You could have worked for it yourself. But you took the easy way. And what could have been given to someone who truly, truly needed it was taken. That's stealing. The new self, however, will stop doing that. We will take responsibility for ourselves and find ways that we can contribute to the needs of others instead of taking what could have been used for others. And that demonstrates love. Love for God instead of love of self. And then there's how we talk, verse 29. Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I must admit utter amazement when I hear people who are not able to put together a sentence without using four-letter words. I'm just amazed that their vocabulary is so small that they can't actually put a sentence together without having at least three or four four-letter words in it. That's unwholesome talk, but I think there's more to it. It's not just four-letter words. It's not just taking God's name in vain. It's also talk that tears people down and belittles them. Words used in a negative way. It's unwholesome. One of my words to grow by, I call it words. Words can be building blocks or they can be wrecking balls. Words can fill a cold heart with warmth or they can call, cause embers to turn cold. Words can raise the hopes of one who dreams or they, or they can dash those dreams to hopelessness. Words can give insight and direction to a seeker or they can blind eyes that might have seen. Words can strengthen a weary heart or they can drain that strength away. 
words can raise the confidence of one who doubts, or they can drive doubts to despair. Words can support the efforts of one who tries, or they can undermine all motivation. Words can heal a hurting heart and stop its bleeding, or they can pierce it through and through. Words can open doors and draw others in, or they can build walls and keep them out. Words can bring smiles across a sullen face, or they can deepen the furrows of a frown. Words can be God's greatest ally in reaching people, or they can be his greatest enemy. Words can be honey to someone's soul, or they can poison them for life. Words, they tell much. Jesus said our words indicate what is in the heart. Words of anger, resentment, hatred, words that denigrate others, they say much more about the one who speaks them than they do about the one of whom they are spoken. Let us consider our words, for they say more than we know. Words, <coughs> consider them well. God does. And finally, this morning, consider how we treat one another. When we put on the new self, created to be like God, we will not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom we are sealed. Well, how do we grieve him? How, how, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Paul tells us. Bitterness. When we have bitterness in our life, it grieves him. Bitterness is just another form of hate. It's like cancer of the heart. It slowly kills it. We are not to hate. We are to love. Anger and rage. That's when your anger leads you to sin. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Brawling and slander. Brawling, fighting. It never proves who's right. It only, it only proves who's left. Slander. It's the coward's way to avoid constructive dialogue. Malice. Malice is murder without the violence. Malice is the attempt to destroy someone. This is the old self. This is how we act when we are not in Christ. The new self puts that aside. We take the old self off. We put on the new self. We are new in Christ. The new self created to be like God. Verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, in Christ God forgave you. Be kind. This is the, old, this is the new self. The bitterness, the anger, the slander, the malice, that's the old self. The new self, be kind. 
Now, to be kind is not just to be nice. Anybody can be nice. To be nice is to simply be pleasant or to do something for someone that they could probably do for themselves. Imagine uh, you have a neighbor whose yard has grown up and they just haven't gotten around to it yet and you decide you're out there mowing so you're just going to go over and mow the yard too. Well, why are you doing that? Are you, you're just being nice, right? Or maybe you're trying to make a point. To be kind, however, flows from a heart that loves. You can be nice while still being hateful, resentful, and angry on the inside. But when you are kind, it flows from love. God is kind toward us. Ephesians 3, verses 4 through 6. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. When the kindness of our God appeared, He saved us. Kindness helps those who cannot help themselves. That neighbor with the lawn that's grown up, maybe they're elderly and they just can't do it. Maybe they're deathly ill and they just can't do it. They want to, but for whatever reason, they can't. Kindness is doing for them what they can't do for themselves. Be compassionate. Compassion is not feeling sorry for someone. You can feel sorry, but keep your distance and not get involved. To be compassionate is to reach out to others in their pain, in their distress, in their hurt, in their sorrow. Compassion demonstrates itself with action. Sorrow is just a feeling. The new self has compassion. The new self created to be like God forgives. Remembering how in Christ you have been forgiven. We know this. We know we have been forgiven. So why do we find it hard to forgive others? It's because forgiving requires sacrifice. We want justice. We want them to pay. We want them to suffer as we feel we have suffered. We want revenge. To forgive them means we give up what we think we deserve. When we forgive, we sacrifice what we want, what we think will set us free. But the truth is, failing to forgive makes us the prisoner. The new self, created to be like God, forgives as God in Christ has forgiven us. Forgiveness sets you free. God has loved you before you were born. You are royalty. You are a child of the King. 
You are heir to the place in heaven which Jesus has prepared for you. It's yours. Your name is already on the door. You have not received it yet, but you will. So then, while you wait for what God has prepared for you, what kind of person will you be? Will you be satisfied to keep living the old life? Or will you choose to strive each day to be like the person God has made you in Christ? Heavenly Father, thank you for the new self. Thank you for wrapping us in your righteous robes. Thank you for putting us in Christ. Help us as we continue in our humanity. Help us to live what you have given us in your Son. And we ask it in your Son's name. Let's uh, stand this morning and sing our closing song. I'm a part of the family of God. It's right there in your bulletin. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by We travel this side, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. God bless you. Have a great week.